Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 104 of How I Built It. Today, I get to talk to Kim Jerstad of MailPoet. And we cover a little bit of a different topic today. We're not just talking about how MailPoet was built. We're talking about how Kim and his team has been able to build a really great remote company culture. Working for both uh, non-remote and remote companies within the past six, seven, ten years, I can tell you that building a culture among remote workers, fully remote workers, is a lot harder. You don't see those people every day. You don't get to go to lunch with those people. You don't get a lot of FaceTime. And so uh, Kim offers a lot of really great advice on how to build a remote team, where to find uh, remote workers, and some of the tools that they use to make sure that uh, the ship is running smoothly. So this is a really great episode. Uh, And it piggybacks pretty nicely off of a couple of weeks ago when I talked to Liam Martin from Time Doctor about uh, making sure that, you know, um, your remote teams are tracking time and productivity in the right way. Kim has a different philosophy on tracking time, as, as you'll hear in this episode. But still, there's a lot of really, really great advice, especially as more and more teams move to a remote philosophy. Uh, So we'll get into all of that in a minute, Uh, but I do want to tell you about our sponsors for today's episode. The first is Pantheon. You'll hear about them later in the show. The second is Creator Courses. So WordPress 5.0 is an inevitability, and there's a lot of concerns around how is the new editor going to work? How should I talk to my clients about the new editor? What do I need to do to make sure their site doesn't crash during this very important holiday season. Well, the courses over at creatorcourses.com will help you. There's one just for users. So if you just want to know how the new editor works, you could take that very affordably. There's one for freelancers to communicate all of those changes to your clients. And there's one for theme developers. If you go to creatorcourses.com Gutenberg, you can see all of the offerings there. And as an added bonus, you can use the code BUILDIT for a discount. Again, that's creatorcourses.com slash Gutenberg. Well, with that out of the way, I think there's only one thing left to do. So on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Kim Jerstad, co-founder of MailPoet. Kim, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I am fantastic. Uh, As we record this, it's Labor Day here in the United States. It's a beautiful day. Uh, And it's pretty relaxed because a lot of people are not working. Uh, So uh, I'm enjoying being able to catch up on some of the more clerical things of the business. Uh, So um, let's see. So where are you based now? Uh, Just out of curiosity. So I'm uh, I'm based myself in southern France, uh, but we our team is uh, we have a team of almost twelve people, and we're spread ar- spread around either Europe or eastern coast US. Very nice, and that is uh, I asked that because the exact topic of today's show is uh, kind of building a remote team and exactly what goes into that. But uh, Kim, why don't you first tell us about who you are and and what you do? 
So where uh, so I co-founded a uh, a plugin for newsletters for WordPress in uh, seven years ago in 2011, and uh, we've been running the same one plugin ever since. So that's what we do. Nice. So that's like that that plugin is the thing that powers uh, your business and your you being able to hire twelve employees and things like that. Correct. That's. That's incredible. So um, just to, to kind of set the stage, uh, MailPoet is a plugin that uh, is essentially you build your newsletter within the WordPress dashboard. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. I like to say it's like a MailChimp in WordPress for those who are nice. less familiar with WordPress. Nice. I like that a lot. So you create your content and then you can build your newsletter directly from the same interface, which is nice if you like to send out mailings of like, uh, your own posts and things like that, right? Correct. Yes. Mm. Cool. Cool. Very cool. And so, uh, as you mentioned, you have a uh, a team of twelve uh, that is completely remote. Um, so, so generally, I, I ask like, um, how did you come up with the idea, or what research did you do? But uh, in in this case, I want to ask, uh, what made you decide to uh, have a remote team as opposed to a team kind of all in the same place? Right. So uh, we didn't invent the model, right? So when we started out uh, back in 2011, et cetera, in throughout those years, it was, there were already other people experiencing that. And, and the first, I mean, the, the most known was Automatic themselves. And uh, Automatic sort of set the stage for, uh, for all other uh, smaller companies in the WordPress community. Um, so I had previously worked, um, in a remote sort of setting as a consultant. Um, um, and when we started male poets, we were four people and we didn't live in the same city. And so we started, uh, it was sort of in the DNA. We started as a remote team. Nice. Nice. And, uh, that's, that's actually a really good point, right? Cause we're talking 2011 here. Um, I worked for, uh, I had just gotten a job at the university and throughout my time there, I, I tried to convince them to let me work remotely, at least part-time. And uh, it was it was a tough sell. They essentially did not let me. Uh, in 2011, the idea of a remote team was not nearly as widespread as it is today. Automatic kind of set the stage. So um, it's in your DNA. Did you feel like you were kind of taking a risk by doing it? Um, by like bucking the trend and saying like, you know, I'm not, I'm hiring people who uh, are not necessarily in the same room as me. Right. It was, um, it got a little more complicated, not in the hiring process per se, because you can hire anyone. So, so you, the pool of talent you can reach is suddenly a lot wider. Uh, so it wasn't in the hiring per se. And, and people do look for jobs in a remote environment. So um, this said, it's... Um, the challenge wasn't there. It was mostly like, okay, how can we scale a team in a remote environment? So, I mean, we're still only 12 people, like Automatic is hundreds of people. Still at a smaller scale, it, it, is, it gets complicated. So there is things to put in place in order to um, sort of fill the, fill the gaps that are, are missing in a remote environment. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's definitely stuff that I, I really want to touch on because that's, uh, I you know I worked for a remote team 
uh, before going full time uh, on my own. And um, that was one of the things that that was tough. You know, how do we, for example, how do you onboard a new employee? Um, But first, uh, so you started off as a team of four people. When did you make your first hire? Uh, I guess it was within uh, within after twelve months, so it was relatively quickly, or within the first year. Yeah, nice, very nice. And and uh, you mentioned that having a remote team was in your DNA because all of the four co-founders or the four people who started the company uh, were remote. But uh, what kind of research did you do to make sure um, that you do it right? Right? Because I mean, like I can I can hire say a contractor here in the United States. And I just pay them and I send them a 1099 or whatever, or they send me a 1099. Um, and, uh, or if I hire somebody in my state, easy peasy, you know, you just fill out the employment form and the taxes are all the same, but there, there's a lot of difference, especially cause you have a multinational company, right? Essentially. Yeah. Right. The, the contractual, uh, we have contracts at Melpoid today, but originally we were just hiring essentially, um, freelancers, but on a full-time basis. So, uh, it would say, okay, let's hire you as a freelance, but since you're a full-time and we want you to be full-time, then we'll give you all the benefits of being a, a full-time employee, which would be like vacation, uh, uh, not working on weekends, et cetera, et cetera. You start building sort of like, okay, you're building a, a real uh, job for someone. It's just contractually, it's still just a freelance. So uh, today we, uh, we, we have written contracts, uh, uh, but I mean, even before we didn't, re- we didn't really need to have them. Yeah. Mm. So it's it's pretty like it's it's not that difficult. Uh, people who are mostly afraid of the contra, uh, you know, of like uh, you know people that have jobs and that need to switch to this environment, they're like, well, what kind of contracts? When are you going to pay me? What is the legal? Uh, is it legally binding? You know. So uh, one one way to um, uh, comfort the comfort new arrivals is to say, well, here's a contract at Mail Poet or my, my remote company, and everyone gets the same contract. So, and you can talk to the, uh, f- your future coworkers and, and confirm this. So. Wow. The, uh, well, first, right there, you can talk to your uh, coworkers about the contract. That's generally something that's discouraged in a, well, let's say a traditional uh, on-location work environment, right? You're not really supposed to talk about salary or benefits and stuff like that because you don't you don't want to cause mutiny among the employees. Right. So, you, yeah, in a remote environment, you sort of have to bet on transparency and full, um, uh, full faith in, 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 being, in being fair, right? So uh, we've kind of got inspired by Buffer. Uh, so, or for example, our compensation grid is public with, well, internally public so everyone knows how much I earn all the other colleagues earn so there is Buffer is really uh, has uh, Buffer's um, blog has really uh um, has it been an eye opener for many of us, and uh, I strongly recommend just to 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 look into it. Uh, they call it the open blog, which is like the open company. So everything is transparent there. They're going full force transparent. We've gone pretty much that direction, except we're not completely transparent with the outer pub, sort of the our customers or outer public. Yeah. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Pantheon. WordPress 5.0 and the new editor, Gutenberg, are coming. Are you prepared? Do you want to learn about the changes in advance? Pantheon has gathered resources to help you prepare, including webinars and tutorials. Pantheon also has made it easy and free to try Gutenberg with your site before the official launch. Visit pantheon.io slash Gutenberg. Let them know that How I Built It sent you. And now, back to the show. I guess another, uh, another question about this, um, which I feel is kind of different in the WordPress community especially, but do you have a hard time being that transparent? You know, the open source community generally is, but um, other more traditional or old hat industries are like, no, you can't know anything that we're doing. That's, that's crazy. We have to keep it all, you know, close to the chest. Right. I think the switch, the initial, now I haven't spoken, I, I've, I've, a few entrepreneurs have called me in the past, uh, in, in the networks I'm in here in France to ask me questions about uh, sort of uh, um, remote offices. And of course, when it comes to remote offices, uh, horizontality uh, comes to mind, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I think more of the switch to uh, to for uh, more uh, classical environments, etc., uh, has to be done not as uh, has to be these little changes within the the DNA and say, okay, well, we're you know we're vouching for transparency, we're vouching for you know a complete freedom of information. You know, if you chat with someone, chat on a public channel, don't chat on a you know. So uh, yeah. um, these kinds of uh, tips and tricks, you know, we don't have a choice in remote because uh, information is always in silos, right? So you're fighting that silo all the time. You want to break those down. So you have to sort of overflow. Uh, you have to make all chats public all the time and let people pick what they want to read, you know? So mm. Yeah, that's, uh, I want to touch on two really good points there, right? Uh, because... Um, you know, even in a traditional office, uh, you you try to combat the information silos, right? But it's maybe a little bit easier when your coworker can walk across the hall to you and say, "Hey, I have a question." Uh, you see silos in maybe different areas of a department. Maybe all the programmers get together, and there's one silo, and then the project managers get together, and there's one silo. It's it's really easy in a company of twelve to have twelve silos, right? Because everybody's by themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, you know, Slack has these uh, these uh, weekly stats so uh, that just say, like, how many conversations were, like, in public channels and how many were in direct channels. And, for example, this week I saw that l- l- the previous week we had uh, 25% of our conversations were in public channels. And I thought, hey, well, that's unusual because usually it's more like, over half our conversations are public, you know. So there was something about last week that was more like, you know, in secrecy maybe, or just people don't want to, you know, add noise uh, in channels for nothing. So, but generally speaking, I'd say half of our conversations or more are public. That's great, and and that's a very cool feature of Slack too. We would get, uh, I think, uh, monthly reports when I was at Crowd Favorite. Um, you know, one of the uh, the the C level officers would say like, hey, this month, this many chats were private, this many were public. Let's try to 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 be better about that. Um, and the other thing you mentioned was um, with remote offices, you you look at a more uh, 
more horizontal organization, right? So that's talking about the org chart, right? So again, traditionally, like when I was at the university, I reported to my assistant director, my assistant director reported to the director, the director reported to the VP who reported to the the president, uh, who then reported to the board of directors. Uh, But with more remote teams, you see, I mean, that was like a five level deep chart and I was like a senior developer, right? So uh, you see less of that, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, we're still a very small organization, right? So uh, at twelve, we, you know, uh, we we um, we don't we're not big enough to have, let's say, two teams of engineers. You know, uh, when I say when I say by too big, uh, I mean usually, you know, it's kind of like the model, the management model that Google. Um, Sort of enshrined where if you know all teams should be a maximum eight people and all of these teams should have a team leader and if you look at more of like holacracy uh, theories you know where each group uh, sort of elects its own uh, focal points for the outside you know um, I mean we're kind of looking at those and we're saying yeah okay we're we're fairly horizontal um they say we're kind of small you know uh, we're not we don't yet have a second team of engineers I mean, we, I mean we do have like a devops you know that's sort of on the outside but uh we're not that big enough yet yeah mm. gotcha that's that's really interesting so um so i do want to change gears here a little bit cuz uh you did talk about um, you know, how can we scale a team? And there are some uh, inherent difficulties with scaling a remote team. Um, a lot of people say the lifeblood of a small company is the uh, the culture, right? So I want to ask you about the culture and then kind of the onboarding and training. What's the, how do you build culture at MailPoet? Building culture in a remote environment is really by the way you act online, like uh, the way you act in Slack, your behavior on a day-to-day basis. Uh, So we've, in the past, wrote some values down of what we sort of think are the correct values that we share within the team. They said at the end of the day, we're more into, okay, well, it's nice to have them on the wall, right? But uh, just just apply it to them day-to-day, you know? So... uh, uh, be helpful, be collaborative, uh, share the, you know, don't hide information, for example. for example. So, yeah, that's how we've approached it, yeah. Gotcha. And, and as far as, um, you know, getting FaceTime or, or, or your employees getting to know one another, do you encourage, uh, like, video calls? Do you have team calls or anything like that to get everybody in a room? Or, or do you think that Slack does a good job of that? Uh, no, uh, it's, it's, uh, that's the hard part. Uh, so, um, yeah, we, we, we need to meet face to face. So we meet once a year on an annual meetup uh, or annual trip. Um, now is that sufficient? Uh, I, f- we feel it's not, uh, maybe it should be once every nine months. Um, what else? Because we don't, during the week, we don't really have uh, conference calls uh, all that much. We do have sort of one, we do have some one-on-ones between, uh, let's say, one of the project managers and some of the t- uh, colleagues. Um, we do encourage those things, but then we don't have stand-up, so we don't have conf calls. So there is a, there is a bit of like loneliness or a lack of, you know, uh, getting to know. 
each other or a space for that. Uh, I know some other teams, and we've, we did one last week just to try it, but I know some other remote teams do a happy hour. Like they'll do uh, on Friday, uh, they'll just like uh, anyone comes into Zoom or a Hangout and just starts like just to hang out basically. Huh. That's, that's pretty interesting. I haven't heard that before, but that sounds uh, pretty neat. But uh, I'm sure that maybe one of the one of the difficulties, right, is you mentioned that you have um, employees. You're in France. You have some folks on the east coast of the United States. And then did you you said Eastern United States and Europe mostly, right? So like Western Europe. Yeah, actually, I should correct that because it's the Midwest. We have someone in the Midwest. Uh, yeah, most we try not. We basically don't hire people in on the West Coast or in. Asia, Australia, etc. It's just too far. We need to have a few hours of overlap in order to, you know, properly function. So uh, the the person in the Midwest, she does really wake up early every morning. So, but she used to work for an Australian company, so she was kind of used to that, right? So, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So that was probably a big improvement. Uh, I should say that as uh, as a born and raised New Yorker, basically anything west of New York. Uh, and east of California is considered the Midwest to me. So just like <laughs> anything that's not the coast is the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, okay, so that's so. I guess one of the one of the and uh, this will be the last thing we kind of talk about culture. But um, you want to make sure that you have overlapping time zones with your employees, right? Because uh, that can be really hard. When I was at Crowd Favorite, we had people in the U.S. and we had people in Romania. Um, and we had like a couple of hours in the morning, but, um, you know, somebody maybe in Australia was out of luck if, if their counterpart was on the West coast of the U S or maybe the East coast of the U S. So cool. Very cool. Uh, and, and so the other thing that we, uh, that you mentioned about, you know, answering the question, how can you scale a team? Uh, what came to mind was onboarding. Um, and, uh, because I've kind of seen it at both ends in, in a traditional company. I basically like went around to everybody's office and they taught me something about the job. Um, and then in a, in a remote environment, I, you know, I had like one-on-ones um, with certain people in the company, but it, I, I feel like there was a lot more on the job training. So how do you, uh, how do you kind of mitigate that? Um, right. Onboarding is, um, so what, what basically we do is we have, uh, there's two, okay. So, so there's just the, the actual day setup, which is just creating all the accounts, but then quickly it becomes, uh, they have to, uh, a new person has to, uh, set up a Skype or hangout or zoom talk with, each of the colleagues, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then that the the new arrival needs to write like a top ten, like well, you know, a top ten of things about themselves. You know, uh, it can be quirky and personal, or it can be just professional. And then, depending on the position, uh, then we have uh, just like sessions, either like uh, sessions of working together uh, or, uh, you know, like uh, let's share uh, the screen and then let's just work together. So that's how we do it on a remote environment, you know. So, and then uh, the project managers or whoever's taking, you know, overseeing that person, then just make sure that, the, the, that it's going well, you know. So, 
onboarding is pretty uh, is pretty. Um, I think the, the the main point is that that the main aspect is that that person that new person really needs to to Skype everyone at least in in a team of twelve it's doable right so at least have one physical kind of contact uh, other than Slack so mm. gotcha yeah I like that a lot because um it really I mean when I record these shows I like to do face to face even though it's an audio only podcast because. You know, I feel like I, I have a stronger connection um, with, with my guest. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, Skype or Zoom and Slack and provision accounts. Do you have uh, a set of recommended tools that you use to help kind of manage uh, remote teams? Well, we use the, we really use sort of the the usual suspects, right? So it's, it'll be like Google Docs, uh, Trello. Uh, at MailPoint, we use Jira to uh, manage the software development aspects uh, with GitHub for, um, and just to, uh, for versioning. Um what else do we use that is specific or, no, that's pretty much it. Um there's no no specific tool per se. Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes we wish there were other sort of like, we use, there's a new tool we started using called Velocity, but that's more for uh, seeing the performance and productivity of the devs. So it goes in, it, it, it plugs into GitHub and t- gives you sort of a dashboard where you can see how how your colleagues are doing if there's if there's being slowed down etc cetera, etc cetera. but apart from that there isn't more than that no gotcha and but actually you touch on a really good point there too right uh, um because it's hard it's hard to measure productivity for a remote team you're especially if you're in different time zones or you're you're not there you know i i had a boss who wanted me to be in the office so he or she could check up on me essentially to make sure I was doing my work, which is crazy because it's easy to fake doing work in front of a computer. But uh, I guess the point of that is, is uh, do you do things like time tracking um, or do you feel like that's kind of burdensome for your team? Is velocity sufficient? Oh yeah, we don't uh, No, We don't track, uh, we don't track any hours per se. Um, it really goes against the philosophy. You, 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 you know, people who show up at work, uh, and if they're just, you know, if they're motivated just by their presence, uh, it's a then it's it's a wrong place to work. Uh, you know, we kind of see the people. What are people motivated by? Right? They're not motivated by being there or being watched over, etc. They're being motivated by what they're learning. Uh, the responsibilities they're getting, the collaboration they have with their colleagues, how that current job fits in their career, or at least what the perspective of their career might be at that moment, the salary, the conditions, you know. So when we look at male poets, at, at male poet, we look at these different aspects um, when we discuss with someone their happiness at work, right? So Nice. And uh, do you... So what do you think is the best way to to gauge motivation? Is it is it the one-on-ones that you mentioned earlier? One-on-one is a critical in a remote environment, one-on-ones are critical. Um uh I don't do them myself 
uh, as often, but there's another person, uh, one of my colleagues does them as well. So, uh, but they're critical. They are, they are the, the sort of the critical lifeline, at least to know what's going on on a, and, and also maybe fight loneliness, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, Loneliness and lack of communication or lack of uh, feeling, feeling um, part of something is, is, are, are the problems in a remote office. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we mentioned information silos before, but working remotely can make you feel like you're in almost a literal silo because you're, you know, you could, it could be lonely. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Mm. Today's episode is brought to you by Pantheon. WordPress 5.0 and the new editor, Gutenberg, are coming. Are you prepared? Do you want to learn about the changes in advance? Pantheon has gathered resources to help you prepare, including webinars and tutorials. Pantheon also has made it easy and free to try Gutenberg with your site before the official launch. Visit pantheon.io slash Gutenberg. Let them know that How I Built It sent you. And now... Back to the show. Well, we covered a lot of ground, um, but I know that kind of in the pre-show we were talking about um, several other topics. Is there is there advice about remote teams that we didn't cover here? Well, there is one topic I have in mind, which is hiring. So, if you want to hire or you want to be hired. Uh, in a in a re, for a remote team, so I would uh, so weworkremotely.com is the main job board for j- uh, jobs in a, for remote businesses, uh, and there is plenty there. Um, also, if you get a profile on. Um, Oh, the name escapes me now. Uh, the startup uh, hub. Uh, I will remember it. Uh, and then there is, we found out that if you, of course, the best way to hire uh, developers is uh, uh, word to mouth or recommend the personal recommendations. But if you want a great place to hire is, um, is Stack Overflow. And so when people that are not actually searching for jobs, but they're looking, you know, developers that are looking for answers, they go and find answers on Stack Overflow and they're on the right column. You can have your job position there, you know. Now, being in that spot is quite expensive. Uh, last time I checked, <laughs> last time I checked, it was, I think, 5,000 grand. But, wow. uh, but it does uh, save you uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, you, you basically, it's kind of like hiring a, a headhunter where somebody is not looking for a job and then suddenly, oh, they're here. He is he's he's poking at your job description so and remote jobs are remote is a, a keyword that's very attractive for anyone in the workforce so that's um, definitely one place to 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 that's actually the, the, the only sort of two places where we post jobs in the past have been those two we work remotely and uh, stack overflow mm. Nice, very nice. Uh, we work remotely. That's the uh, job boards from the guys over at um, Basecamp, right? Formerly Thirty Seven Signals. Yeah, actually, the the job board was sold to another group recently, so they don't take care. I think it was last year it was sold, and so it doesn't belong to them anymore. But that is originally theirs. Yes. Yep. 
And uh, I'm going to, so I'm going to link to that in the show notes and also the book by the same guy is called Remote, uh, which is all about working remotely. Yeah, correct. I, um, Matt Mullenweg has spoken recently about uh, remote environments as well. So if uh, I think either on his blog or elsewhere in podcasts, he mentions the challenges of remote uh, and being such a large company, they're a bit at the forefront of it. So he's definitely got some interesting sort of um, uh, perspectives on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I will, I will try to track down that link and, and put that in the show notes as well. Uh, so gen- generally at this point, I like to ask two questions. Uh, one is about kind of what are your plans for the future? But I think in lieu of that one, I want to ask, if there's a job, particularly in our field, you feel is not suitable for remote work, right? Uh, I was going to say any job, but like a construction job clearly is not suitable for remote work. But uh, do you think there's a job in maybe the uh, a computer-based field that's not suitable for remote work? For me, I think the, part of, the hardest one in our team is, at least in my eyes, but... It's product uh, management. Uh, product management um, requires uh, requires uh, uh, talking to people all the time, right? So if you have an idea for the product, you want to validate it with the support team. You want to check it out with the devs. Uh, if you have somebody in marketing or in growth hacking, you have to talk to them as well. So it's kind of like bringing all the different groups or the different parts of the team together and having a conversation but you can't you're in a you're in this remote environment so you need to sort of uh, interview people uh, so it's kind of that part of uh, is a little it's it, that part is a little difficult uh, it's it's a pain so we so to tell you, we're we're changing at Mailpoet. We're just changing a bit, and we're saying, okay, well, uh, since it's so, so me and the other another person that does product, um, we we decided just to like slot like okay, one hour like every day. We just discuss, you know, we pick up the phone and we just discuss all the uh, the items, you know. So, so nice. but, that's yeah, more, that's a really good answer. <laughs> more 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 phone conversations for the product managers. Mm. Yeah. The project managers, I guess the kind of equivalent in client services uh, at my remote job, their calendars were just constantly full of meetings. Uh, and I, I used to think like, how do they get anything done? And I'm like, this is where they're getting their entire job done. Um, so I, that, I think that's a fantastic answer. Um, the last question I like to ask is, do you have any trade secrets for us? As in, like, uh, <clears throat> as in, well, I don't. We don't really have any. Uh, we've been meaning to work with. Uh, we've been we- meaning to um, to match Mailpoet to work with WooCommerce for a while. Uh, we just never really got around to it so so much. But uh, it looks like we might be finally getting out of our busy periods because we were working hard on onboarding uh, and now we're looking into WooCommerce right now. So this will be sort of the next step for us. Uh, it's been, it's been, I've been talking about this for a while, so maybe I'm jinxing it again, but anyway, <laughs> hopefully we're going to get there. So nice, nice. A little, uh, little, what's coming, a little secret, what's coming down the pike for MailPoet. I like that. 
Um, Kim, thanks so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? Uh, it's pretty easy. Kim at mailpoet.com. Nice. Cool. I will link that in the show notes as well. Uh, this was fantastic. If you are thinking about really good advice, if you're thinking about starting a remote team, or if you're thinking about taking the leap and becoming a remote worker, I think there's a a lot of good advice there for, for both folks. So, uh, Kim, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks so much to Kim for joining me today. I really appreciate his time and his insight on building a good remote team, building a good company culture. I really love what he said about needing to meet face-to-face and how they try to meet uh, every nine months or so, maybe every year, every nine months, to make sure that you get that FaceTime with your uh, coworkers, right? Because that's important in building a bond and building trust and things like that. I just I just loved this conversation. Uh, so thanks again to our sponsors, Pantheon and Creator Courses. Both are providing fantastic resources for Gutenberg and WordPress 5.0. My question of the week for you is, if you run a company, do you do it fully remote or do you have people that are basically in the same town or city that you are? Or if you are employed or looking for employment, how important is a remote position to you? Either way, let me know by emailing me, joe at howibuilt.it or on Twitter at jcasabona. If you want to discuss this stuff with other listeners of the podcast, you can join the Facebook group over at howibuilt.it slash Facebook. For these things and all of the show notes, you can go to howibuilt.it slash 104. If you liked this episode, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. It truly helps people discover us. And as we start to wrap up season five here, this is the second to last episode, interview episode at least, uh, I am uh, just ecstatic with the growth that this show has seen over the past six months. I've hit a few really important milestones. And if all goes well, by the end of this year, I will hit another one. So thanks so much for your support and for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.